Hello there! Uh, this is How to Japan, and uh, on this episode, we are doing a movie review on Ikiru. And uh, just to let you know, we recorded this a few months ago, so if it sounds like things have transpired uh, since then, then you'll know. Alright, hope you enjoy it. Welcome to How to Japan. This is another episode where we're going to be discussing a mm. uh, a classic yes. by many different accounts of people mm. who actually watch more movies than me. Um, mm. This is a 1952 Japanese movie called Ikiru. Mm. And Ikiru means what in English? To live. To live. Mm. That's right. Um, so... It's you had never very, seen this movie before. No, I've seen other movies by Kurosawa, uh, I, most notably Yojimbo and uh, Rashomon, and another little little less known movie called Dodeskaden. But I I never saw this one. But I'm glad mm. you pointed it out to me. Yeah, well, I did it. I had. Uh, no idea what to expect going into this. Mm-hmm. In fact, I watched this several years ago, mm-hmm. and um, I remember thinking that I haven't watched enough classic movies. Mm. Uh, I enjoy a lot of modern cinema across a variety mm-hmm. of different genres. I enjoy, um, you know, I, I always thought that I've probably watched more than the average human being mm-hmm. but it was uh embarrassing to realize that i haven't actually watched any of the great works which have influenced many of the directors who have mm. made movies that i love so yeah. um japanese cinema always comes up in conversations with hollywood mo- uh, movie mm. directors famous directors so right. i thought well i'm living in japan um yeah. what you know what better time or better place to watch a japanese movie than uh while right. I've been in Japan. So I don't even remember how I came across Ikiru. I think it was just word of mouth or maybe in my Twitter feed. But mm-hmm. uh, but I thought I'd give it a shot. And I, I think, yeah. have to admit, I wasn't uh, disappointed. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, it has hints of Rashomon, and I'll explain that later, what my thinking about that is. Mm. Uh, Rashomon came out, I believe, two years before this movie. Um so uh, I think he's kind of uh, building upon different different ideas that he's had in previous movies when he mm. made this one as well. Uh, it's very, very interesting. I think he was uh, 41 or 42 when he made this movie. Oh, um, really? Yeah. I, I was I was thinking about, I was trying to figure out what his age would have been to make such a a very deep and sprawling movie that he, that he made. And um, I was thinking, man, it was 1952. How old could he have been? And then I checked his Wikipedia, and he was born in 1910. So mm. <laughs> it, was like, it was like, wow, he's already lived a life, you know? Right, right. <laughs> he's lived through two world wars by this time, you know? Yeah, And yeah. His, his own country uh, had to surrender to U.S. forces in 1945. Mm. So this is seven years after his country surrendered to U.S. forces. That's right. So I, I also thought that was quite interesting 
it's kind of what to me is kind of like a time capsule in a way mm. you know uh when when you see the especially when you see the street scenes you know in the mm. movie we're we're going to get immediately into spoilers right but i mean what are our overall thoughts on the movie what what do you what are your overall thoughts? I mean, if you could uh, provide like a synopsis for people who uh, may want to check out this movie. I mean, you you, you would recommend it, right? To most. <laughs> definitely. <people>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Um, I would, I and, and maybe some people might think of this as a poor metaphor, but I would call it an all-you-can-eat buffet of movie genres all wrapped into one. Mm. Um, oh, that's a good summation. I, I, I think it's part docudrama, it's part mm. odyssey, it's part yeah. comedy, and even though there's no courtroom, it's part courtroom drama. Right. And I believe also there's a little bit of an homage to a past cinema, the silent film era as well in mm. this movie. Uh, so the, that's how I would kind of sum up things without telling any details. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I'd, I wholeheartedly recommend it to anyone who is uh, interested in Japan, especially. I think this provides a telling glimpse into society, especially in 1952. Mm. Um, what fascinated me with the movie was just how r- resonant the topics, the, the themes were. Like, mm. not a lot has changed in terms of the overall themes, you know, of like mm. finding... Uh, meaning in your life and your job and with relationships uh, Mm -hmm. you know with your colleagues with friends with family Mm -hmm. it's all uh, just as resonant now as it was then Mm. Um, I was afraid going into it that I would find it boring Mm -hmm. you know the pace you know the pace of movies at the time I just had this bias of being a lot of a lot of talking a lot of uh, Mm. um I don't know, just a, just a slower pace than what I was used to. So I was pleasantly right. surprised that this went on, went on with a pretty quick clip, mm. at, a, at a quick clip. So right. it kept me engaged throughout mm. the whole movie. So, so my, my advice to anybody who hasn't seen many classic movies, I think um, this could be a good doorway mm. into, into the, the, the period, into the time. Uh, but then again, we're talking about one of the greats of mm. cinema one of the best right. directors in history. So mm. maybe that's an unfair sort of comparison to lump him in with other directors at the time. I think he was mm. head and shoulders above uh, <laughs> most <Yeah>. other directors <laughs> at the time. So, um, yeah. but anyway, uh, yeah, I, uh, if you haven't seen it and you don't want to hear spoilers, just watch it and then come mm. back and listen to us uh, talk about why we, we enjoyed it so much. Mm. Um, or you can just listen to us talk about it, and then maybe that'll influence you into seeing it. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. So, what would Why you like to, be... to cover first? Um, you know, there's so many. So he dies, directions. by the way. There's a spoiler. Oh, he dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, we just ruined it for you. He uh, he dies. That's it. Uh, pretty soon in the movie, actually. I mean, yeah. yeah he's, uh, would you say it's like close to just over halfway? Yeah, I think definitely. there's a good chunk of movie left when he's dead. Yeah. That that's what I, uh, I I love the change of genres. I, I mentioned it earlier. Um, it, you know, the beginning with the the heavy narration, the heavy mm. narration. I, I think uh, kind of reminds me of kind of a, a docudrama. 
Mm. And we see this man. This is the man sitting before you. He has this and this and this. This is the protagonist of our story. Yeah. He doesn't know that he's going to die. Yeah. So there's this, you know, I guess what would that be in Greek tragedy, dramatic irony going on, uh, letting us, uh, the audience, know what's going to happen in the future. And then it quickly changes to... Uh, many quick wipes. I get. I think at times in the in um, in that time period, the wipe for editing was mm. very co- amply used. But I thought it was used to comedic effect when the women were they go into the uh, city office to ask about trying to build a park, and they are just kindly kind of brushed aside to different places, and it's it's very quick paced in that mm. in that segment um and they are constantly uh dismayed by the you know the lack of action by anyone to help them because of all the bureaucratic red tape that everyone thinks is involved in doing a very what's seemingly a simple thing and then moving into uh you know the realization of his of his plight and going into the the red light district of uh, of Tokyo, and seeing all, that became kind of like an odyssey in a way to me. It was like kind of this this just showing showing all these directions that you can see. Mm. Uh, so I, you know, those are and then going into the the funeral scene, and that's what reminded me of Rashomon because everyone is trying to piece together what exactly happened with Watanabe-san. They're -hmm. trying to figure out how they feel about it. They're trying to negotiate their own egos in terms of what was able to be accomplished and what he, what role he actually played in the whole, in the whole setup. Mm -hmm. There was just a few thoughts there. Yeah, I found the bureaucratic, the way it was portrayed, the bureaucratic uh, system and uh, the red tape that you referred to, uh, I found it stunningly accurate. And his mm. portrayal of a typical structure like that—that's um, yeah. something which I think hasn't changed much. <laughs> no, <laughs> in most I, governments, I would... it's uh, it's pretty similar. Yeah. In fact, in fact, the period itself—I already mentioned how resonate how resonant the, the the themes were, how relevant they were, and mm. um, and you said it was you know it was so close to following World War Two. It was just interesting mm. to see the way, or even not just the the government itself, but the hospital. Mm. I found it interesting that he's in the waiting room and he meets a patient and the patient tells him about the telltale signs of uh, of, of stomach cancer, what you should yeah. be on the lookout for when the doctor mentions this and mm. that. Uh, he's not going to tell you directly to your face. Um, but I mean, just the uh, that environment. You can walk into a clinic mm. here in Japan, in Tokyo, for example. I got a, a clinic only a few, a couple of blocks away from me, and it looked exactly mm-hmm. like how, <laughs> like the one in yeah. uh, in Ikiru. Nothing. In yeah, it's office, all yeah. all very, very much in line with what we have now. Can I just say something about that? One small detail about his uh, X-ray which I just couldn't believe that I was watching it because he comes out of the X-ray room and his his lips are white and he has to wipe his um, lips right. off with a cloth. Mm. I'm like, Jesus Christ, we are still drinking barium. He's he Bar- had barium. Yeah. yeah, it's like 68 years later. Right, that is part of the regimen. Still doing the same shit. 
<laughs> you would think we would have a... like uh, progressed yeah. more in society, <laughs> a little more, uh, you know, innovations in medical science, but not. Yeah, no, it's just the same old, same old. And now I don't know if they have the same machine now, but as they as they had then that we have now, which is like, oh, okay, drink the barium and now get on this machine that's going to turn you upside down <laughs> and to the left and to the right. <laughs> All right. And don't burp. It's like such a weird, weird experience. So I thought that was really fun, funny that he had that very specific detail of the white lips. Do you, do you think, I mean, I, I had never heard of uh, stomach cancer being so predominant for or prevalent during that period. Was it a major cancer risk at the time? I, I have no idea, but what I've heard, and maybe you've heard the same thing, is that um, cancer, stomach cancer, is quite common in older Japanese because of the fact of the high salt content of miso soup. Ah, oh, right. Yeah, so maybe that's just the constant. And also, if you think about the change in in uh, workplace, probably mm. the reason why uh, people drank so much heavily salted miso soup back in the day was because they were farmers and without actually expending lots of energy just sitting at a desk doing paperwork you don't use as much energy and therefore a lot of that i guess the sodium would go to waste and kind of create havoc on your stomach mm. that's what i imagine mm, interesting well um yeah it made me uh yeah wonder about the medical well uh, you know the the afflictions upon the general public at the time so for mm. that other patient to let watanabe son the protagonist well let him let him know what mm. to expect just made me think oh maybe mm. it's a was a common occurrence to have stomach cancer yeah because yeah. this uh the stranger in a in the waiting room is telling him about it so yeah yeah it sucks yeah and it was a kind of a matter-of-fact way of saying things, talking about it, which I also mm. thought was kind of indicative of how people oftentimes talk about sicknesses. Uh, you get to a certain age, and this is what's going to happen. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I thought that that was really the the details uh, really caught my eye. They're just walking, you know, and it's thinking of it as a time capsule when they walk outside onto the streets. The streets are not yet paved, but everything's busy as crazy. You know, they're just building. Japan is built, being built up, you know, but mm. we still have those dirt, dirt trails, uh, dirt there's trails, a, dirt roads. When he, there's also uh, a directorial choice of, I mean, mm -hmm. that was like a masterclass in filmmaking for mm -hmm. him to leave the hospital and it's deadly silent. You hear mm -hmm. nothing. We're mm. just following him leaving the hospital, and it's completely silent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then the silence is broken by traffic on the road, mm. and and I and I thought to myself, "Fuck, they were doing this in 1952. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. I mean, uh -huh. it's just uh, it was just a whole. He's on another planet in terms of how mm. to to. He made me feel absolutely uh, absorbed in the mm. character's plight. Because that's exactly mm. what you would feel like. You would feel numb to the world when you find mm. out like you're going to die, and then mm. you, even though it wasn't explicit, explicitly mentioned, to right, him, right, right, uh, right. But we find out through the doctor, you know, the the conversation the doctor has with the mm. nurse, like, oh yeah, he's, yeah, he's got about five months. 
Yeah. Um, but the fact that when he leaves, it's quiet, and then it's uh, the silence is broken by traffic. Uh, mm. Yeah, that encapsulates how anyone would feel after being, mm. you know, learning of this this news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. So. I a, love that part of the yeah. movie. Yeah, it's a good point. To, uh, and why didn't up. they tell him? Was that something that was uh, common at the time? You just don't tell someone I, they're going to die? I think that's just the way... But I think as far as I could uh, gather from the way the doctors and nurses talked and how the, the patient who talked to him about it was that, you know, be, it's just a matter of course that you're going to die when you're old. So they, mm. you, you might as well just live your life until you right. die without really knowing what's wrong with you. Right. Um, and I guess that's one way of looking at it. And I think that kind of speaks to a, 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 a term that is often used in Japan, shikataganai, right? What are you going to do? Mm. You know, it's there, there's nothing really to be done about this because your fate is death in any case. Just choose your poison in a way. So you might as well be blissfully ignorant of how you're going to die rather than, uh, you know, worrying about it. Uh, you might as well try to find ways to enjoy it or just keep living the way you have been living. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah but the, were, yeah, the, uh, the hospital scene, the um, I found that quite Im- impactful. Mm. Uh, I thought they they accurately, yeah, uh, Kurosawa uh, accurately captured life in that in the municipal government. I particularly mm. liked uh, the young woman. Um, mm-hmm. What was her? Uh, uh, what was her name? Young girl, uh, Toyo, Toy, Toyo, Odagiri, Odagiri. Yeah, yeah. The way mm. she tells that joke, she breaks the the silence by telling that. Well, no, first she laughs. Right. She laughs right. out loud, and then she gets the attention of everyone, and um, and then and then tells that joke, which is pretty pretty ac- pretty truthful. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, she she was his. Uh, yeah, she provided a, a marked uh, marked uh, contrast to to the to the main character who we're following throughout the whole movie. Mm, right, and actually, in kind of a twist of irony, she becomes his inspiration to kind of find a a, a new trail before he dies. Yeah. It's also, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure about that. Was she? He, he is in. Uh, no, he um, latches onto her mm. at one point, and, and there, there, there are a few moments where he, you think, is he, has he fallen in love with her? Mm. Is it like a purely, um, like a like a love out of uh, out of friendship, or was there was there something more there? I think, and this is just my imagination, I, I think that she represented the youth, youthful connection that he didn't have with his own son. Mm. So there was, there was a lack of meaning in his, this, the relationship that he had with his son because of, you know, unfortunate events in their lives and their family life. And so she when she came along she 
was very playful and uh, talkative in a way that he had not felt someone be. So he could actually express himself. And I think people who, when they get older, they want to share something with someone younger. And uh, that was his outlet. I, I don't know if he, although it was heavily implied by other characters that, oh, he's going out with this woman or something. I Like there was like some romantic was, uh, yeah, connection yeah. there. Yeah, I, I don't think that um, it went that far. And I think there's an indication of that because of the fact that he she didn't actually attend the funeral. Hmm. Yeah, she was just almost she was a part of his life in a way as to kind of inspire him and enjoy life a little bit, but um, it was more about sharing experience rather than I, I think him falling in love. Hmm. Oh, what do you think? Well, I could have gone either way. I construed it in two different ways. I, I thought mm. that, well, he, he didn't have a romantic connection because of the fact that he found some uh, way of of living his life again through her mm. mm-hmm. during whatever she wanted because right. he never got the chance. Through his 30 years of being chained to that desk, he mm. he had never truly lived. Uh, mm. And so that's why that the first guy outside his world who he meets, he... He tells him, "I've got fifty thousand. I've got fifty thousand yen right here. Right. I want to have a night of it." And so right. the guy's more than happy to oblige. In fact, I think the other guy probably—I don't know—he think he paid some of the some of the night. Mm, <laughs> but, right, right, right. But they yeah. went to so many different places, like clubs and bars, and um, that was another, like you said, ta- time capsule. That was yeah. it was interesting seeing this, the, the the streets, the sights and sounds of. Uh, um, I don't know. That wasn't Tokyo. Was it? I wasn't sure. I, it might have been. It might have been one um, suburb of I don't somewhere know, around area. outskirts of Tokyo. But I Maybe. think where they went, it must have been some red light district that was busy somewhere in Yokohama mm. or Tokyo. Because there is, remember the baseball scene and the the kid with wearing the baseball uniform. It said mm. Seijo on it. Oh, right. And yeah, so. Um, that's near Tokyo. I think that's around Setagaya. And in fact, when I looked at afterwards, when I looked at Wik- the Wikipedia page, and it showed where uh, Kurosawa died. It was Seijo, and mm. I found that to be uh, an odd coincidence. Interesting. Um, but and they um, were taking the taxi. I mean, they were in the taxi a lot. Yeah. So, so they they who, who knows where they were? And I, to me, it was so much more interesting of a night scene than I've ever seen in Japan. Mm. Like everything that like bands or whatever, or Rapungi, <clears throat> it seemed almost it was like now is lame compared to what was happening then. <laughs> like if, if that's a, you know, a good depiction of what was happening because like real live Latino music where the, this ballroom is just filled with people just, almost unable to move because there's so many people in this room and and just going to these places where there's that piano player and he's mm. going out of his mind playing the piano mm. it's just it was just so engrossing in, in its in its liveliness 
Well, that's a credit to Kurosawa. If I had him directing my life, I'm sure I'd mm-hmm. be having a great time. <laughs> so there's some there's uh, some movie magic you're saying. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So uh, yeah. movie magic. I yeah. think it's. Uh, uh, I I think if you if you took a camera crew back back in time to 1952, I don't mm-hmm. think uh, you, <laughs> you'd get any of the kind of uh, attraction of the nightlife as you, as you saw in the movie. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't around in 1952, so who am I to say? You could be yeah. right. Maybe there's something to be said for the period that's more exciting than what's on offer yeah. now, and uh, nightlife-wise. Yeah, I I mean, you know, I I think there because we do think of it as being the post-war, but it's still occupation occupation period, and so I think maybe there is after a war, there's people who just want to freak out and go wild. Because mm. there's been such a long period of dreary dread and sadness mm. and horror that, you know, there, one reaction to that probably would be just like to freak out and just absorb all of the entertainment that around the world that the world has to offer, you know. Mm. So mm. one thing, though, I noticed it, it throughout those scenes and, and that was kind of a, a an important part of the movie i guess in sim- symbolic terms was watanabe's hat mm. and <laughs> to me the obsession over this hat so many people talking about this hat i was just like this reminds me of something i would see in a larry david you know curb your enthusiasm episode it's like oh you think you look nice in that hat do you larry you know it's just like <laughs> there's just you know there's no concept of conspicuous consumption at that time so this hat was just focused on so much you know oh mm. he's out with these women and he's wearing yeah. this hat you know and i it kind of was kind of funny because i i just a few months ago i just watched another movie it's a hollywood movie starring cary grant and marilyn monroe that was done in 1952 called Mon- monkey business and there's a scene where Cary Grant, he drinks this elixir. I'm spoiling the movie for everyone. He drinks this elixir and it makes him feel young. And he goes out and buys this suit. And everyone starts looking at the, oh, look at that suit. And it's like, I just mm. think it's a product of the time. <laughs> like yeah. Everyone's like, well, because I was looking at the suit. And I'm just like, I, I don't know why anyone would obsess over this suit specifically. And also mm. with the hat, I think it was like, was it the ribbon? Was it mm. maybe the ribbon? That was too much for everyone. Mm. Uh, or the fact that an old man decided to buy something new, right? Could right. Spin it too. Did you have any reaction to the hat scenes? Uh well, I think it was just a way of uh, a device to show the audience that he's uh, no longer a bureaucrat and he's living right. a a life filled with more meaning and joy than he's ever experienced in his life. So the mm. the hat was a uh, proxy for that. Mm-hmm. That's all I. That's what yeah. I. That's what I gathered from I, it. I didn't go into any Larry David uh, <laughs> vibes or. It was just like, like such a, a fixation. <laughs> I'm just when I, when I was watching those scenes, I was just going back to Seinfeld, and it's like when he gets this astronaut pen. Hey, hey, Jerry, I got this pen. You can write with it upside down, Jerry. You can write with it. It's like all of these like fixations on these very small things. But I also think to me it was kind of a contrast to what has changed in Japan. Because uh, nowadays, conspicuous consumption, I think, is the order of the day. 
I think more and more people are, you know, uh, uh, Louis Vuitton brand, brand items, all these types of things are so visible in Tokyo and around Japan. Mm. Uh, mm. So I, I think that's a product of the day that we could be that could be used as a device during that time, which I, I just don't know if that would be as big of a deal now uh, right. as it was then. Uh, getting uh, back to that yeah. scene with uh, with the piano player, mm-hmm. I really loved that woman who was singing. Yeah. I feel like I loved, I, I thought, I thought she was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, the whole scene. Uh, but, you know, that was one of the scenes where... Uh, Watanabe-san, he kind of, he captures the moment, right? There, there's such a liveliness to it. And then he is sitting in his chair. The girl falls into his lap. And then he being, begins to sing the song of his youth. And then the room grows silent. And there's these close-ups. And I think Kurosawa was employing these like old-style silent film close-ups. It's almost like even with the the very still in his face, his face is not moving much, but mm. you can see so much expression despite the fact that it's not all contorted in all, mm. all these different ways. And he's just singing this song. And there's so many elements throughout the movie where you see these close-ups and they're very long and hard. Yeah. And, and I, I mm. really think, and his face is so long mm. in those close-ups. So I, I I think it was like that was really an interesting employment of the old style of uh, filmmaking. The song that he that he sings it's sung that that's sung in the bar it's called Gondola no Uta, the oh, okay. gondola song, and that was written in 1915, mm-hmm. and it's a song about women and how they should find love before their time has run out. Right. Which reminds me of that other proverb about uh, cherry blossoms, again mm-hmm. about women losing, uh, mm-hmm. only being beautiful for a short period in their lives. Which is very, yeah, mm-hmm. very sexist, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> really, really terrible if you're growing up with this culture. If you, um, you know, if, you, if you're a budding feminist in society, it's not something yeah. you want to know. <laughs> yeah, but also, I mean, you you put it into more context, like. People didn't really live a long time, so... Or they were dying from stomach uh, cancer. Yeah, it's died from stomach cancer or even before that, you know. I mean, there, there's just so many different things that could kill you. Uh, Tuberculosis was uh, mm-hmm. majority of the cases before... Um, I actually checked that when I was looking mm-hmm. at the some of the ways uh, people died around that mm-hmm. period. And, uh, uh, yeah, the I think TB was... Uh, they they had a compound that, yeah, va- uh, basically a vaccine. Not really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Well, they were able to cure it in uh, November nineteen forty nine, so mm-hmm. they'd only just gotten rid of it. Right. So most people obviously not rid of it because I got it. Mm-hmm. Right. So not completely eliminated. <laughs> Some things never change. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like red tape, bureaucracy, and, uh, and uh, tuberculosis. <laughs> yeah, is uh, no, that's interesting to know. Yeah, I I think uh, when we talk about like women and cherry blossoms and songs of trying to you know 
try to stay beautiful before you're you know try to get what you need before you turn ugly or something like that i think that's just you know a product of of people's short lives you know mm. when you have more time and you have more time to think about what it is it what it be beyond like just raising a family um, mm, which mm. of course is important but i i think up until recently most people did not have time to think about those things so i i guess poets would wax philo- philosophical about you know when is it the perfect wi- a woman's perfect time to you know seek and and reach life and things like that mm-hmm. um there's to me i think my favorite scene i don't even i guess it's multiple scenes is the funeral mm. well what are your thoughts on the funeral uh the f- so the fir- the first time i watched this movie and they had the funeral scene i thought oh shit he's already dead mm-hmm. um and i and i found it uh i found it enthralling when the 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 deputy mayor mm-hmm. doesn't give any um sort of credit to what Talibisan supposedly did so we're not really sure what's going on I'm not sure how he died uh where he died or what happened and uh we're just going on the uh the people at this funeral we we're going on what they've what they what they've said about him but the deputy mayor didn't want to talk about Watanabe-san at his own funeral mm-hmm. and uh and as soon as he leaves then you start seeing um the story around Watanabe-san change mm-hmm. and uh yeah I found I I found the whole I found the whole scene very um yeah it was it was an interesting part of the uh, part of the movie because I've got all these unanswered questions and the way the information is slowly revealed to me through the mm-hmm. eyes of these fucking bureaucrats who mm-hmm. I fucking hate <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to hate many of them except for uh-huh. that one guy who's the one guy out of all of them who starts mm-hmm. recognizing that listen he's the one person here who did anything we're all fucking mm-hmm. useless and he's the right. one person who actually tried to get this park built. And mm-hmm. he's the one person who had to go uh, to different departments, different offices, and and plead and beg right. uh, with a smile on his face. Right. And and no one wants to recognize that. And you just see the yeah. dominoes fall. Right, uh, yeah. That's what I loved about it. So, yeah, how mm-hmm. did you feel? I, I felt very similarly. Uh, I can't say that word very well. Uh, so... To me, close, close to you in terms of thinking, yeah, yeah, <laughs> very, very <laughs> similar. Choose another adjective. Early. Choose another, choose another, <laughs> another term. Like Porky Pig, yeah, that, 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 that's all, folks. Yeah, that kind of uh, thing. Uh, you know, you know, you you can't you can't get perfect, and you you just got to keep practicing until you get it right. But um, to me, it was um, very reminiscent of uh, Kurosawa's Rashomon because of the ve- many perspectives being said and the piecing together of the narrative by all mm. these different people. So we have these flashbacks about what happened. And 
I, I think that was a really interesting way. And by I, I felt like everyone was negotiating their own egos in in respect to how this park was actually built, mm. and their their memories and, and also alcohol worked as a conductor to you know really reveal reveal yeah, the truth about the situation. Yeah, um, you know they. I thought, um, you know, as far as being a courtroom drama at the funeral, what an interesting contrast to how most people experience a funeral, because you even have the police officer who makes uh, makes uh, a, a makes an a entrance, wi- almost like a witness at the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at the courtroom stand, and then the women, the other witnesses, the women who actually shed the first tears. Mm-hmm. Uh, like testifying, testifying, yeah, to testifying to his uh, his integrity, right? His dedication and passion. Yeah, and then yeah, there's all these people coming in, and then the press comes. It's just mm. like, what world has been created in this in this space that's supposed to be a funeral for someone? But by having all these elements put together, we we find the true essence of, of who Watanabe-san is and even th- despite all of these tiny egos fighting each other one way or the other all the testimonies and all the all the memories put everything together and put everything into perspective and so in the end he's truly honored for the for the work that he did mm. and that, that was really interesting how that all how that was all put together I mean I could imagine that being like a stage play. But uh, I it, yeah. I don't know about the son and the 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 son and and his wife are there. Mm-hmm. And the son is working he, he's he's learning second hand about his own father. Right. So what kind of closure did the son get? He, he found out about, about his his yeah. father's selfless acts, mm. um, but his father, the relationship with his father, it didn't change at all, did it? No, it only changed in death, and maybe not even in death, because basically the conversation that he had with his wife was that, uh, my a uh, dad he left uh, his his money and all the paperwork that we need for his inheritance under underneath the stairs mm. when mm. he left that night. But he knew, didn't he know that before the funeral started? Right. Yeah, so there was no change in the way he felt. It was just something that he had to tell his wife after all these people started talking about it. So I think maybe for that son and the the daughter-in-law, maybe further down the road, they'll look back and think differently about him but maybe not. And that's why I think the the woman, the girl, the office the office lady, the 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 uh young woman who he started to hang out with a lot from the office was so important in his life because he was lacking that lacking the the younger person to interact with and she, to share. She actually with. puts him in his place. Right. She she because he's complaining about his son in front of her. Right, and he drags her out to that that, that cafe, and and uh, they, and then he's 
bemoaning his relationship and his son's mm-hmm. ungrateful, unappreciative, and what a little bastard. And then she says, hang on, no, no, you... You're saying that you he owes you all of this, but he didn't ask to be born. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's on you. Um, and I thought I liked that um, that tug of war in his own mind about right. the effort he put into his work, and mm-hmm. the at the end of it, I think he somehow wanted to show his son, like, listen, this is what I've done. This is what I've done with my life. I've been mm-hmm. working this shitty job. In order to give you and your 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 shitty wife <laughs> this uh, <laughs> this house, what or yeah, yeah. and then he overhears Whatever them talking do. right when he's mm-hmm. in their room because he found out he's got cancer and he just hears their conversation. I think mm-hmm. that would drive anybody to the to, to sort of breaking point. Like, oh my fucking mm-hmm. pe- my children are. Ter- I mean, my son is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, having you know talking about just talking about money, uh, mm-hmm. but then he's just learnt this. The fact that he's got cancer, so mm. um, it's it was difficult for me to reconcile the fact that he's got cancer and mm. he expects certain things from his son, but then his mm-hmm. son doesn't know about the the uh, the, tra- the the trauma, you know, the the mm. prognosis. The son can't right. they can't have that conversation because mm. he's keeping it from his own son. Um, I found that frustrating. That was probably mm. the most frustrating point of the movie, which I think is the, that's well, the point. That was the point of it. I know that's the point, mm. but I mean, um, just I wanted there to be some kind of closure, but the only kind of semblance of 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 knowing, like no, the only way he really knew about his father was at his funeral through the eyes of these fucking bureaucrats. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, he does. I mean, the father does try to tell him at one point. And then he they go off in the wrong direction, right? Yeah. So he's like, uh, I, and he's like, oh, I, I know about your ways recently. I've heard mm. about what you've been doing. Yeah. Just keep it fair. out of the house, you know. Yeah. Lock the door, you know, that kind of thing. So Yeah, I get frustrated in movies like that when there's like a lack of communication. That's the only conflict that they can manufacture <laughs> is through miscommunication or not getting out what you fucking uh-huh. should say. Just fucking say it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just fucking tell yeah, your yeah. son, like, I got cancer. <laughs> you dumb yeah. old fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that made me uh, angry. Just, it... Just seeing that play yeah. out. But then I thought, well, it's 1952 Japan. And not just in 1952. I'm sure in 2020 Japan, there are some mm. fathers that don't have that kind of bond relationship with their sons. Mm. And they cannot bear to let their sons know the truth about their mm. health. Right. Um, instead, he goes and dies in a park. Right. I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I. There's hints of what my uh, father-in-law did as well. I mean, he, he hid his uh, cancer for as long as possible. And really, just uh, oh, there's just something going on, you know. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> Very, mm. very, very similar kind of thing. But I think some people just have a, you know, a, again, a kind of shikata ganai kind of uh, what can you do about it? Well, you know, there's nothing that can be done about this situation. Uh, but I, I don't think ways. that was the case of a, but, but I mean, uh, I, I don't think that's the case for Watanabe-san. I think he actually wanted to tell, but he was too feeble 
in a mm, way emotionally yeah. feeble yeah oh go Meek. on sorry i cut you off yeah no yeah he uh, it's also perhaps selfish to expect somebody to reveal that kind of information if they don't want to i don't know the mm-hmm. etiquette on that i think cultures yeah. maybe treat cancer differently i think i mm. i've heard in china doctors don't even tell the wife or the mother or you know they don't even tell they don't even tell them they're dying of cancer they'll just go behind their backs and tell the family right they'll actually go yeah, they'll, they'll actually before, proactively yeah. you know find their details and then go behind their backs and let the family know that they're dying of cancer but don't don't ever reveal that to them so let them just mm-hmm. go through life normally so that's culturally right. accepted in china mm. Uh, might be something where the family has to bear the burden. So, um, if if the person themselves knows, then there's even it become perhaps becomes even more burdensome for the the family itself to take care of the older person who's uh, at death's door. Mm. Perhaps, mm. yeah. I I think one of the things that uh, a theme that comes out that's very clear in the movie, which I think is a um, very important part of of Japanese culture, which is service to others. Uh, it's searching through the meaning of life through service to others. Mm. Um, and I'm just going to go off on a little side tangent. Well, unrelated to the movie my wife and I were we were talking about uh something that happened at the supermarket today so my wife was she's shopping for food and she sees these two elderly women and they're very close to each other they're not really practicing social mm. distancing they're very close together so they're not doing anything in terms of like you know prevention of the spread of something and so i i kind of thought that Maybe it's because Japanese elderly have a rather, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like a realistic vision of their fate in life. So it might, so my wife then said, well, maybe the, the reason for living declines in old age. So they're done taking care of their children. And so uh, they, they sense that the, the elderly think it's important to take care of themselves is, is not very high. Like thinking, oh, I need to take care of myself. It's so important. So they're they're not they don't think they're as important as the people around them. So and maybe there's no sense that they feel like they should continue to live if they're if there's not a service to others in some sort. And I can remember there was a guy that uh, was at one of the gardens, a communal garden that we used to go to, and he was maybe in the early 80s and he had these beautiful vegetable gardens all over the place and you would always be able to sell all kinds of things off and whenever we commented man you do such a good job with your vegetable garden he would just say well you know i may i got another you know probably year or two to live so i might as well just do this so it's not a it's not like uh he it's it's not like oh you know i i'm so happy to be alive kind of thing although he might secretly think that way but it's kind of like hey you know i'm probably going to die soon and I can even remember like uh, during the earthquake and my wife's parents, we, we asked them if they wanted to go to Kyoto with us because we were like, we don't trust what the government's saying right now. So we want to head off to Kyoto. And they were just like, eh, 
we don't need to. You know, it went, if something happens, it happens. Mm-hmm. And I think this this wraps around to what Watanabe-san's mission to help someone before he dies. There's no there's no warm feeling with his son, so that relationship provided no av- avenue of of, of uh, help, except in his inheritance when he dies. So he had to find some sort of way to help others, and I, I think this is something that maybe it is kind of a perspective that people have maybe it's not just limited to japanese but i I kind of i feel that a lot sometimes when i talk to older people here Mm. yeah no that uh you know makes makes sense uh so these old women in this was a supermarket yeah so they were close to one another hmm not wearing masks, no, uh, in very close proximity to one another. Mm. Uh, were they talking at a loud volume? Uh, I don't know, but they were just kind of intent talking intently with each other, like very happily with mm. each other. So, as far as I know, as it was reported to me, I wasn't there, but I I think that you know there's a kind of a a feeling like well, if my time comes, it comes. Mm. You know, as as you get older and older, the only thing they have in their lives now is uh, each other, or their friendship. It mm. sounds like. Mm. So then there's that. Then there's well, I have no idea. I mean, we're, but that might be reading a little bit too much because <laughs> I don't know who they are. But mm. <laughs> but I think like the the concept that you know, as you get as you get younger, younger into our age and maybe thirties and twenties, then there's the concept of. You, well, you still have something to give to others, so you're going to practice more distancing. You're going to um, make sure that you're okay and other people around you are okay because you have still have something to give. Oh, so you're saying these old women have nothing else left to give to society? In, in a sense. Yeah. But I don't of course, you don't, you don't know their inner thinking. You don't know their lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know if they have yeah. family back home or... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't know any of the those idea other variables. That, but like when I when I've also I I just visited that garden that I was just talking about a little bit earlier, and every no none of the elderly people are wearing masks. Everyone's in close proximity mm. proximity talking with each other, and there's this sense that you know it's like shikata ganai, it can't be helped, right? Kind of feeling that's going on, and I I think that that's that speaks to the idea that. They have, they they know they have the sense that they're going to die, and so they have nothing more to really give in service, and they themselves are not that important. Feeling of themselves are not that important. So if they die, it's not that big of a deal because everyone dies. Is that <laughs> the, the, <laughs> but I love I love like like how you and the you and the wife are are, are, are creating like this scenario for these two <laughs> random old women, <laughs> and then like like coming up with like a mini a mini thesis or a verbal yeah. essay on the, on the, on the subject yeah. of these old women's yeah. lives. That's great. Uh, I, I, I yeah, we were just thinking about that earlier today, and I I kind of felt maybe there's just some sort of connection because. Uh, to that and just 
oh, I'm going to die, but if I can just give something, and I think Watanabe-san, to bring it back to the movie, Watanabe-san, all of his life, he didn't, he never had that sense of service to others, even though he was in a position that is, yeah, yeah. So it just right at the tail end of his life, if you could just do one little thing to help others, hmm. then it would It'll be, be a okay. life well lived. Yeah. With some and, meaning. And, uh, yeah. So I think most people live it in it, it the opposite way. Like they give and give and give early in life and then they start to give less later in life. And then they kind of recognize that they no longer really need to be on earth anymore. Um you know, that's my own, mm. you know, whatever the hell that is, you know, thoughts. Yeah, he, uh, it, it, it was depressing in the sense that he spent 30 years keeping his head down and he managed to acquire mm. this position of section head where we probably know that the person previous probably died. So you don't really get that position mm-hmm. through merit, I think, because they mentioned it <laughs> earlier, they mentioned it earlier. Okay, the only way where you can get yeah. a position of you know if someone dies, so we probably there's a good probability that the person before him died. Right. So then that the fact that he dies, another person comes in to take his place, and there's no real mm. motivation to do mm. your job as well as you could. You know, go out of your way to help people because you're all just waiting for the next person to die. Mm. You just got to survive long enough yeah. for that to happen. Um, it's, it's uh, you know the, yeah. the the movie like uh, sorry to uh, uh, do you want to say more? I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, oh yeah, uh, the movie even though there's some uplifting elements to it, it doesn't end in that standard Hollywood happy ending. It's still very cynical at mm. the end, right? You you have another scene back at the the city office, and there's some other point comes up and they're like okay well we, it just has to go somewhere else and then one guy stands up and he's like oh and everyone looks at him for a second <laughs> yeah for, a, yeah. for a, a few long seconds and then he looks around and he just gets pushed back into the board pounded back into the board bam right. bam yeah. bam yeah he's the and nail he that stood out on. yeah and he's no longer the nail that stood out and things are back to normal. And nothing's changed yeah. in 2020, I can tell you that. Yeah. I've been to yeah. like a, many a municipal office here and uh, very slow. Uh, oh no, you know what? I take that back because I went to mm-hmm. one office before, uh, when was it? Several months ago. And yeah, the guy was, but he was young. I think that was the issue. <laughs> Uh-huh, yeah. I, I'm sure if I go back now or, or another year from now, I'm sure he's going to fall into the the, the rote way of of of, of handling handling mm. people because uh, no, he was very he was very quick, very efficient, and helping me renew. I think it was my uh, uh, registration card, mm-hmm. which all foreigners need in Japan, unless you're married or you're you know you, you need like your yeah, need a special registration card, so I had to get mine renewed. But yeah, the, like I said earlier in in the podcast, it's a, a very accurate portrayal of of mm. bureaucracy. You know what else is fascinating though? The the fact yeah. that this is so soon after World War Two, right. yet they're already talking. The the citizens were already talking about 
Do you remember those old ladies? Mm-hmm. They were saying this is a democratic, you know, democratic society. Yeah. It's mentioned, yeah. like, this is, uh, are these our representatives? Yeah. You know, they they actually mentioned it. Yeah. So they're already well aware of the fact that we demand certain things from our government officials. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you think about the, fir- the first elections, well, the first, like, actual handover of power from the U.S. forces to Japan, I believe, was in 1955. Wow. How was that possible? I think it was, it lasted for a good 10 years. Oh, let me, let's double check that. Because, uh, yeah, 1952 is when the movie was made. I'm, I'm assuming it took him, I don't know how long it took him to make this movie, but it was probably 50. A year, six months mm. to a year. I don't know. Mm. But it was actually released mm. in 1952. Okay, the San Francisco Peace Treaty signed on September 8th, 1951, marked the end of the Allied occupation. I'm sorry, I was wrong. And it went into effect on April 28th, 1952. Mm. So not 1955, but 1952. So the year the movie came out. Okay was the end of the occupation. Mm. So maybe, you know, there could have been, you know, I, I'm not well-versed in post-war occupation, but there, maybe there were smaller elections going on. Maybe there, there was, you know, civil rights was being introduced into society. So Civil um, liberties. Civil liberties, yeah. So that's might, might, that, that might be an echo of that going on in the cities. But then, yeah, but that also brings up a good point about how they handled these issues before, mm-hmm. before right. this. I mean, how, how mm-hmm. would how would a group of women be able to tell their local magistrate or who? I mean, I don't know how, honestly, that's how terrible I am about history. I don't even know how, how, how society worked at the time. But but surely yeah. you, you'd have some way of getting your grievances, grievances across. Um, I think there must have been some sort of ne- lots of uh, th- these date back hundreds of years these um, neighborhood associations. If you mm. have a problem with something, then a lot of times maybe the village would come together and make decisions on things, and then right. maybe they'd have to get the finalization from the the central government. But everything had probably been already decided mm. already, and the government just signs off on something. So that could have been one way. There is these things called gonin gumi. Have you ever heard of those? No. Gonin gumi means five group family households. And in times of hardships and things like that, when you have to get out your rice yield taxes and things like that, if one family is low on rice, then those four other families pick up the slack and help Mm. out that household. So they're kind of like an intact group of homes. Mm. that can um, work together to, you know, get through the hardships of life. So that was like one one element of older Japanese society that might have continued on into the into the wartime period as well. It's hard to say really. I mean the the there's also organizations that were developed during World War Two that exist now uh in neighborhoods around Japan, which are these what I would just roughly call neighborhood associations. So maybe by talking to these people, talking to various neighbors, having meetings, they figure out, oh, okay, maybe we should cut off, cut down these trees before they fall on houses and stuff like that. Or maybe we have to clean up this park over there to make it nice for the kids and stuff like that. There could be those kind of things existing at that time as well. Mm, yeah. Well, it was, I really like this movie. Mm. 
It's uh, it's a classic for a reason. Right. So many great themes covered with precision. You know, there's mm. not a lot of lag. Uh, there's not a right. lot of fluff or filler mm. or right. unnecessary uh, information. It's all it's all there for a reason. Mm. Yeah, Definitely. I loved it. So, uh, rating system. How you? What, what do you wanna? What do you wanna do for the rating system? Uh, I don't know. Do you have any ideas? Uh, how about the swing that he was on at the end? In the beginning, we kind of see the swing in the park. Okay, good. Yeah. How many swings? All right. Uh, I mean, out of five. Well, I mean, uh, I guess we have to. I, I would give it five swings out of five. What yeah, you? I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. There's uh, no reason to give it any less than that. It doesn't really fail. The only thing I, I feel like if you're if you haven't watched old movies, you have to get used to, used to the sound quality. That's just one thing. There's a lot of hissing, right? The sound and um, I tried to list, I tried to watch the movie without subtitles. Mm. That was hard as shit. So I had to basically I watched the movie and followed the english script on my smartphone <laughs> mm. and i was like scrolling through and watching it and going oh okay all right oh this scene's coming up next okay right so yeah luckily yeah. they had that that there's that available as well um so yeah sound sound quality is always a, a you know a problem with older movies but other than that i really wouldn't i don't have any so that's your one gripe with it just yeah just the sound but that's just the product of the time, you know. They, yeah, they didn't have yeah. good sound back then. Yeah, mm. I don't have any uh, other gripes. Well, I did mention one thing that just frustrated me with its relationship with the son and not being able to admit or, or reveal in, information. But that was a that's a, that's the story. That's the that's mm-hmm. the that's the movie. <laughs> I think it's supposed to frustrate people in 2020. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think um, like a product of its time. But but like you said, your father-in-law not mentioning cancer. I don't think it's. I think it's universal across mm-hmm. cultures. Not revealing mm-hmm. that. Not not wanting to upset your family members. Right. Just right, wanting right. wanting yeah, to exactly. go quiet into the night, mm-hmm. in a way. Right. Like go off by yeah. yourself into the forest. Um, right. And uh, yeah, I I can I can understand that. Mm. You know what? I take that back. That's fine. <laughs> I was being unnecessarily critical. Yeah, um, I guess we we've uh, said as much as we can, and um, I don't know if my harebrained cockamamie story about the two old ladies in the supermarket was necessary, but it's there <laughs> for you to skip over if you so too late so now find yourself at the point. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess I should would have put a a, a, a a disclaimer at the beginning of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 